This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. It is, what is it, Wednesday. It's Wednesday evening and uh, I'm uh, very excited to be joined for a change by a South African <laughs> um, and he goes he goes by the the most literal farmer's name ever Farmer Angus <laughs> thanks for joining me Angus um, uh, Jim it's such a pleasure and uh, the, the great pleasure is that it's the second time I'm seeing you today Yes. We had lunch together. Can we are we allowed to tell the people that we of course broke we, bread together today? I'll tell you what, we broke bread. It was fantastic. It was a very delicious bread. <laughs> <laughs> My um you know, despite the fact that most of the staff on the farm are are uh, don't have uh, well certainly most of them haven't finished their schooling and and one or two have finished schooling. They, they don't have any um, church education. So one assumes that these guys don't know what's going on, but actually they're super informed. And maybe it was eight months ago. I, I can't remember when the Europeans started and the Americans started rolling out, uh, what do they call it, Operation Warp Speed and, and, mm. and, and the English and the Israelis, in fact. I think Israel led the charge. But when they started um, jabbing folk, my staff kept coming to me at these sort of irregular intervals going, are you going to force vaccinate us? Um, and, and, and I said, well, of, of, of course not. And so th this has gone on for six or seven months. And then there were some South African companies um, who said they're going to start doing it. And, and, and that's when I just felt that I, I, I needed to just, well, I don't know if taking a stand is the right word, but I just needed to put it out there that I'm absolutely not going to, um, force jab my staff for, for, for primarily two reasons. The first is uh, the principle of, of medical sovereignty, that we all have our own medical sovereignty, and it's not in the place of government or employer to interfere with that. And then the second was this issue of informed consent. And, and, and the more I've learned about this stuff, um, the, the pharmaceutical companies have not informed anybody what's inside these jabs. And therefore, you can't have informed consent. And then, and then there's obviously a litany of things which you, you, you're very familiar with that have happened since March of last year mm. that, that have made me um, not comfortable uh, with the whole situation. And, 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 and so we sort of shared, shared all of those things. But you, you know what's interesting, mm. uh, Germ, is, is the, the first, my first um, alarm bells were going off in 2003. Okay. Now I can tell you that's before you had a beard and, and even remotely gray gray in your beard. It was a long time ago. That that I used to work at Goldman Sachs. Um, so I was a stockbroker, which means um, I, I used to sell equities. I didn't I traded them for myself, but I didn't actually trade equities. So my job would be uh, my clients were were fund managers. We would we would give them a call. So hey, Goldman Sachs suggests today that you sell shell and buy BP, for example, you know. So in 2003, they moved me from the European equities to the American equities. So I was based out of the London office. My job was to sell US equities to investors who invested in the US stock market, but who were based out of London. And in preparation of that, I needed to go to New York to the Goldman headquarters for a month to learn about the US economy in the US stock market. So I spent time with economists and all the different analysts that they, they called analysts, these people who understand the different uh, um, sectors. 
And I remember sitting with a pharmaceutical analyst um, and, and, and he said, listen, the, 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 the growth in pharmaceuticals is in vaccines. If you don't have a good vaccine pipeline, don't invest in the company. Um, it was vaccines and, 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 and then it was uh, insulin. You know, there's a company called Novo Nordisk at that stage, uh, which I remember was, was a big insulin play. So, so the, 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 that was the first alarm bell that went off. What I've subsequently learned is that in, I think it was about 30, between 30 and 35 years ago, the, the child up to the age of 18 was recommended to have six dose, six vaccinations. Yeah? Today, mm -hmm. FDA recommends 72. It's, it's unbelievable. So I mean I think I think the, 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 what that touches on for me is a is a is a bigger issue around capitalism. Okay, I mean and 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 I I'm not an anti-capitalist. I think there's some great things about capitalism that work. However, my problem with it is that the, the, at its heart it is an extractive system. Yeah, and it sees the human being as a source of extraction. What can I extract from the human being? And now it's what can I extract from it, them in utero and what can I extract from them through whole lives? And then there was a patent registered sometime last year by, you know, imagine it all, Microsoft of all people, on, 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 on taking the energy out of a human being, you know, m m sort of mining of, of, of that energy. So, so I think, and, 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 I, and I think that's where we need to recognize that that is what the system is designed to to extract yes which the the more i farm the more i realize that it's it's not about extraction mm. but a system that is based on extraction is fundamentally in conflict with nature and as much as you and i are you know we, we are using modern technology uh, it's amazing that we're having this converse, conversation so to speak you know we, we have become more and more removed from nature and consequently become unhappier. Um, so, so I mean, I know we've come a long way from this, from this, uh, um, your, your opening question about wh why to write, th write this thing, but I just want to sort of contextualize that. Yeah. Uh, um, Naomi Klein, um, the author, um, she, she calls what you just described as disaster capitalism. Yeah. Mm. So on that point of disaster capitalism, is, 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 is for me, one thing that needs to be spoken about more and more is true cost accounting. Mm. So I'm a management accountant by training. I studied it for five years at Stellenbosch. I did a, 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 um, I passed my board exams at the Chartered Institute of Management Accountants, Melbourne Road in, in, in London, you know? Mm. So, so and I've worked in finance and, I, and, I, and, I, and I've been running my own business for many years now. Nobody talks about true cost accounting. Yeah. And the most classic example in farming, which is the subject that I know most about, is beef. So I don't know if you know, but 99.9% .9 of the beef sold in this country comes out of what they call feedlots. Okay, so it's a, the, the animals stand um, in their own excrement um, for about 120 days. If you're good, 150, if it's a bit longer, they get pumped full of hormones, growth, and, uh, growth hormones, antibiotics, uh, grains, all the things that Tim Noakes tells you makes you fat. Um, uh, asthma, asthma drugs, uh, a, a drug called Zilmax. And, 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 and these animals are standing in a pen and they get very fat very quickly and then they slaughter them. Okay? So the, the, the price of that beef 
is not honestly priced. Right. And I'm not having a go at accountants. And the accountants are very bright people, but they are the product of a, of a system that uh, you haven't had kids yet, but, but, but when I've got three kids and, and when the kids are born, they're sort of completely open and they're, and they're, and they're wide open. And the education system just, just shrinks it down. It's conventional Western education. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, earlier at lunch today, we spoke about a world of education, which we can go into as a side. But at its heart, it is a, it, it, it is a um, um, reductionist system that, that, that prevails. Yes. And, 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 and whenever there's a challenge to the, product, to, the, to, to the system, whether it be Afghanistan in 1978, which was an amazing society which we can talk about, whether it was Gaddafi in 2011, who had the highest GDP in Africa and the highest literacy rate in Africa, but he, he dared challenge the status quo, mm. you know, you're just wiped out. So the status quo is a very reductionist system. But we're going back to beef now. I'm sorry I keep jumping on. The, the feedlot beef, the beef that you buy in the shop is not honestly priced. Let mm. me tell you what I mean by that. There's a whole lot of things that are not in the price. The first thing that's not in the price is the minute you eat that beef, you become inflammatory. Because the omega-6 and 3 ratio is out of whack because the animal's digestive system has been violated by what it eats. So you're immediately inflammatory. Now you name me one disease in the modern world that's not inflammatory disease. Yeah. yeah there isn't, basically. Okay? So you're inflammatory. The second thing is you get antibiotic resistance. Now, prior to COVID, you could kind of believe what the World Health Organization told you. Okay? <laughs> and... and Prior to COVID, the World Health Organization said that the fourth biggest global health challenge is antibiotic resistance. People take so many antibiotics in through their meat. And by the way, I'm not making a case for veganism. Eh? We're going to talk about that. Why well, it's a disaster. Um, so, so, so the, the, um, the, 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 you get antibiotic resistance for free. The omega-6 is you, you, you are in, um, contributing to extreme environmental degradation. Because where does that manure go? It ends up polluting waterways and things like that. You, the taxpayer, has to pay for that. You know, and so it goes and so it goes. So, mm -hmm. you know, my question to you is, Jeremy, how do we break out of this system, this extractive reductionist system? Well, that's where, that's where farmers like you come in. Okay, so, so, so what we do is we practice a thing which is called, re, goes by the name of regenerative agriculture. And, and, and how do you measure regenerative agriculture? In its most basic form, you measure what's happening with a carbon. Because when people hear carbon, their eyes like roll over in the back of their heads, like, oh my gosh, I didn't concentrate at school, it's boring. We, we all as human beings need to know about carbon because we're a carbon planet, we're carbon beings. This is, this is the scaffolding of life. So carbon has a place, the safest places for carbon is in the soil. What our modern lifestyle has done through agriculture and cars we drive and mining that we do, et cetera, et cetera, we have taken carbon out of the soil and pushed it into the atmosphere. And so we've made things more unstable and more unreliable and more extreme. And also when you put carbon, when you increase the carbon in your soil, you increase the nutrients in your soil, which means that the plants growing in the soil are healthier, which means the animals eating it are healthier, which means the humans eating it are healthier. Healthier humans equals healthy society. You and I spoke about Western A. Price earlier today. Mm. Now, if, if, if the listeners here, if they want to read a profound book, it's Western A. Price's book. It's called Nutrition and Physical Degeneration. Price traveled the world in the 1920s and 30s, determined to understand what's going on 
in, 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 in nutrition because he'd been a dentist for a very long time. He was late 60s at the time. And in a nutshell, every place he finds in the world that was eating ancestral foods, the people were healthy. They conceived without a problem. They had their children without a problem. They didn't have any prisons. There was no delinquency in society. Imagine a South Africa without a prison. Dude, you think I've been smoking all sorts of illegal substances all day long, if I can tell you, you can imagine. The, 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 the reality is that we are human beings, man. We are capable of such immense things. We are capable of such beauty, of such kindness, of, of, of such a, a, a creativity. And we've manifested this system. Mm. Sandy in the comments, um, who's currently, if I remember correctly, she's in Colorado in the United States. She's watching right now and she says that um, you are breaking the stereotype of a typical farmer. You're far too intelligent. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, listen, (laughs) I've actually met some very, very smart farmers. So I don't want to, I'm not going to jump on that bandwagon eh? (laughs) <laughs> um, listen, can I just ask you, I, I made a little list of, of some questions I've, I've, I've got for you. What? No, it doesn't work like that. I'm no, asking please, you questions. Please, please, Jeremy, you've got some great <laughs> insights and I want to know what's going on. Why, why bother with regenerative agriculture? Okay? Because unfortunately, a lot of people think agriculture is just a regenerative thing. The tragedy is that there's only two types of farmers. You know, there's no drahtsitters in agriculture. Mm. You're either farming regeneratively or you're farming destructively. You're either improving the environment or you're stuffing it up more. Okay? That's, it's a binary situation. You can't do either. So, I mean, you can't you, you do one or, one, or, one, or, one, or, one or the other. Yeah. South Africa has a very particular um, need for better nutrition. And I'll tell you why. Mm. There is, and you can look this up on the, on the, on the, on the internet. There's a group called uh, Indigo Global Wellness. The last global study they released was Mar- February of 2019. And there are 10 metrics that they look at. And, and they look at those 10 metrics and then they determine the health of a country. So they rank from, they looked at 191 countries. Country number one is the healthiest country. Number 191 is the unhealthiest country. Where do you think South Africa ranks, Jim? Give me a number. Yo, I, I want to say somewhere in the middle. Uh, is that is that a fair, a fair estimate? So, Broom, if you said somewhere in the middle to your math teacher, you'd fail maths. I asked for a number. Oh, okay, all right, okay, okay. So it's between one and what? One ninety-one. One ninety-one. All right, I will say <laughs> ninety-eight. <laughs> okay, you obviously think a lot more about South Africans. Uh, uh, South Africa ranks 191. No! <laughs> dude, dude, go and look for yourself. Woo! Go and look for yourself. I need to have okay? a drink. Hold on. <laughs> go and look no, for yourself. South no, it can't South be. South Africa is the unhealthiest country in the world. Okay? Why? Now, you, But you're a super informed guy. How do you not know this? Okay, this this was this was this was published six weeks before the general election in 2019. Okay, I would have thought at the time that it would be front page news and it would be at the heart of every political party's agenda. 
Let's get healthy people. Because if we cannot have healthy people, we cannot do anything else. Children can't concentrate at school. Mm. We can have people not being able to work. You can't have people thinking. And, and it's just a, a vicious downward spiral. Okay? Nobody says, nobody even talks about it. Okay? So, so we, but remember, we can, I'm contextualizing why regenerative agriculture in South Africa. Mm. We're the unhealthiest country in the world. The only positive about it is we can't get worse. <laughs> that's that's like setting the bar really l low. <laughs> so, Can't get worse. so what you're and, saying and then, in a nutshell? Then, so, so 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 we we the first problem with well the first thing with to change anything and we again you and I spoke about this today is how do we change things? Yeah. The first thing I think is you've got to recognize there's a problem. Mm. Now, thank goodness I've never been an alcoholic, but apparently alcoholics, the biggest challenge for the alcoholic is to say, I am actually an alcoholic, okay? So, so maybe South Africa needs to go, we are an unhealthy country, and it is a problem for these and these and these reasons. But again, our ruling class has believed the Western bullshit, which I have to tell you, up until the age of 30, being a private school educator boy, Stenemosh University, Goldman Sachs, I also drank that Kool-Aid. Okay, I completely drank the Kool-Aid. If I, if I 18 years ago listened to myself, the thought 18 years ago someone said to me, you're going to say things like you're saying today, and I thought, what a complete lunatic. I know exactly what you mean. Yes. Okay, so the, 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 the big lie, uh, or there are a couple of big lies, but one of the big lies is it doesn't matter what you eat, what you think, what you say, what you drink, what you do, there's a pill to fix everything. Mm. Our ruling class, our ruling class, for, b b believes that mm. they don't understand that that malnourished human beings uh, you can never have a healthy society with it like that and, and and surely that's got to be the thing that we aim for highest of all because if we have a healthy society we'll have a healthy environment yeah but a question that comes through from from people in the comments um okay fine angus but are your are your is your livestock healthy do they are they treated nicely Okay, so let's just talk about antibiotics. Mm. What percentage do you think, and I'm sorry you have to answer these questions, dude, but <laughs> there's no one else I can speak to. I speak to myself a lot, but I can't answer my own questions. <laughs> so so, so the, the, what percentage of antibiotics? Antibiotics can only go to two places. Okay, one, human beings. Two, animals. Animals in the confined animal feedlots. They call them feedlots, okay? CAFOs in America. So it's where the animals stand in their own excrement, whether it's chicken, beef, lamb, you know, whatever. And that's where they get fattened up for slaughter. You either put them into that or you put them into, into, into human beings. Okay, so it's 90% to animals. Ah, I would never have even said, I would have said 50%. You see? Sure. That's why the World Health Organization tells you that glow, uh, um, Antibiotic resistance is such a major problem because the guys are getting it free through their meat. But free. that obviously makes people sick. Doesn't necessarily make you sick. If you get sick, you take a course of antibiotics and it's like, doctor, this thing's not doing anything to me. Because doctor you goes, hey, well, we're going to dose you with another type. Because you become resistant. You become resistant. You become resistant. Yeah. But, but the tragedy of modern medicine, and I mean, my, my doctor's an amazing, no surgeon, I'm surrounded by doctors, I've got them all around the, in different parts of the family. 
I think in eight years they might spend one semester on nutrition. Mm. So for non-medical people, it's like, it's beyond belief. But for doctors, they don't even talk about nutrition. Okay, so wait, wait, antibiotics. So mm. you understand mainstream how my, how many how much antibiotics is used on animals. Okay, my cattle since the beginning of 2016, and you, and you next time you come to farm, I'm glad to go and show you. Mm. I've only taken out a bottle of antibiotics on four occasions, and I've injected one animal at that time. Okay, so why are my animals so healthy? They're healthy for two reasons. The first reason we are moving them all the time. So we make these little camps all around the farm and we move our cattle three times a day to a new camp. And then there's a six week rest period before cattle come back to the same pasture. So the pa pathogens have died off. Animals aren't standing in their own excrement. And then the other thing, we have a thing called a free choice mineral liquid. They get extra minerals which they can pick for themselves. And I mean, when you come to the farm, I'll, I'll, I'll show you. So animals in their natural condition move away from their manure. Imagine if I forced you to live in your bathroom. In our cleverness, we've designed human, we've designed food systems like that. And we wonder why humans are malnourished. Go and look at the South African dietitians website and then look to see who their sponsors are. Yeah. Okay. It's sugar yeah. and big food. It's amazing. I mean, the, 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 um, <laughs> the, the heart society endorses margarine. Margarine, margarine, you, you, you do, well, a friend of mine was telling us, we used to paddle with him, and his father-in-law built a margarine factory. And, and it, was, it was a Monday after, after the weekend, we came back, and we were all training together, and, and, the, and, the, and, and he said, we had a hell of a talk this weekend from my father-in-law. He pulled the whole family in, he sat us all down, he said, you must never, ever, ever touch margarine. I built that factory. It's an explosion-proof factory. Don't ever touch that stuff. <laughs> and then, and then my cousin, my cousins emigrated to Australia many, many years ago, and they—I I don't know if you know about the Aussies. Eh? Well, the convicts today are very different from the convicts twenty years ago. Um, you know, they're living in their prison today. They were free people then, and and um, so at university they had this game, as convicts do, called hide the turd, <laughs> and 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 and. The relevance to margarine will come out. Just bear with me. And, and you can imagine it's a difficult game to play because you can't really hide a turd. It smells. And whoever keeps the turd hidden for the longest without the other people knowing wins the, um, wins, wins the, 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 the competition. So they, And you can't hide it in the toilet because you flush it away. It doesn't count. So I think a week goes by. And, and after two or three days, everyone's out except one guy. Like, what have you done? He let it go for a week. Then he said, okay, fine. And he called them all into the kitchen. Then he takes out a tub of margarine. And he'd taken, he'd taken, emptied the margarine. He'd done, he'd, he'd shat in the bottom of the margarine tub and covered it up with margarine again. That is disgusting. <laughs> no ways. I, I promise you, my cousin, my cousin witnessed it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and they were using but, the margarine. But, but you know, you're scraping off the top and you started realizing they're going to get close to it. And said, no, 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 you're going to stop. So, but Jim, <laughs> Jim, you know, we, we're joking about this, but the tragedy in South Africa is that the masses 
are fed margarine. The masses are told this is what you spread on bread. And, And the irony is the smarter the people are, the more gullible they are. Mm. It's amazing. I've got some really, really smart people who I'm just stunned at their gullibility. Um, but, 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 Jim, can I just say one thing about the f- whole food thing? Mm. Because it's easy to 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 criticise and 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 point out all the problems. You know, it's a, it's a whole different thing. Come up with solutions, and and we have the solutions. We can grow the, the food in this country to feed the people regeneratively. We don't have to confine animals in, in poisons. We don't have to spray poisons on, all, on, the, on, on the crops. You know, the African diet was, was uh, actually a sorghum-rich diet and lots of grass, it was all grass-fed meat in those days, okay? And what I don't understand is as people have modernized, they've just accepted Western doctrine and Western recommendations. Why can't we have African solutions to this thing? And and and, and what I what, what another question I've got for you, it's an, it would be an observation of mine, which has been fascinating, is that s- since the ANC came to power in 1994, mm. n- n- they're very very anti-European and very anti this, and, and they said African solutions for everything. And it's great. We need African solutions, but let me tell you, they got a hint of of COVID, and they've rolled out only European solutions. The easiest way to solve COVID nineteen is to simply stop funding it. That's it. Hey, but dude, you realize how big the COVID industrial complex is? It's massive. I mean, free-range mm. eggs is the biggest fraud of all. Um, Why? Well, okay. So if you go into a shop and you buy a free-range egg, let, let, me, let, me, let me guess what I think you're thinking. Oh, man, this little hen was clucking on these bucolic green pastures, rolling hills. Okay? Free-range eggs is nothing of the sort. Yes. The, the only thing that free range eggs is that they're not in metal cages. Okay, so they're not in, in a whole series of metal cages up, but they live in a barn. Now with bird flu, and which has been around for quite a few months, those barns are totally closed up. They don't know if it's sun shining or it's raining outside. If they do open them out, there's a little opening, tiny little opening through which they can go to peck on a, on a little place outside why would they go outside there's no food outside mm, there's no shelter mm. outside there's no water outside and yet it's called free range they are not free to range it's the abuse of the english language like calling these jabs vaccines they don't fit any technical definition of the vaccine so stop calling them vaccines like these chickens aren't free to range so you can't call them free range i can't i, I certainly can't talk on the human health views what i just the two things i would say on that point though is that in Western Price's work, he never found a plant-based society anywhere, ancestral society anywhere in the world. They all incorporated some form of animal protein. And then I make a thing called bone broth, which is an extract from the bones of my cattle because about 20%-ish of the carcass is bones. Our biggest bone broth clients are the health shops, and the health shop owners tell me that the people who buy the most broth are the long-term vegans. Okay, but, but be that as it may. What my issue with the vegan movement is that is it, the great thing about the movement is that it is shining a very bright light on caged animal agriculture, mm. okay? which is an absolutely necessary thing to do because there is no place for caged animal agriculture at all. The problem with the vegan movement is that firstly, it's been completely hijacked by big food. 
and they not they they haven't even read. I mean, they're probably not fully realized what's happened, but they've been hijacked by big food because big food is desperate for people to go plant-based because why? It's highly, highly processed. I can't call it food. I just can't actually call it food. It's highly, highly processed stuff, which they call food. It's full of poisons. It's full of sugar and it's full of parts of the whole. So it's a some pea protein or it's a soya derivative or it's a maize derivative. You know, we spoke earlier about the omnivore's dilemma and maize derivatives and things like that. So, so it's a highly processed food. That's my first problem with the vegan movement. The second problem is that there, the, there's nothing regenerative about vegan, growing vegan food. And, and what I mean by that is that if you don't have, if you, in a vegan utopia, there are no animals. Okay. So therefore, you have to fertilize your plants with artificial fertilizers. In an organic regenerative system, you use animal manure to make compost and fertilizers, which you then grow plants with. But now you got what are called artificial fertilizers. In the USA, uh, Cornell University did a study that looked at the methane emissions. Now, when you when people environmentally have methane, they think, oh, oh, that's a much more dangerous greenhouse gas than CO2. It has 24 times the global warming potential of CO2. U.S. fertilizer industry, that's one industry in America, emits three times more methane than all other U.S. industries combined. That's how the vegans would grow their food. Okay? Then, what? the next thing is, where would vegans grow their food? And what are the foods that go into this highly processed food that vegans eat? Well, soya is number one. Where's the biggest plantings of soya? In Brazil. They've chopped down the multi-species Brazilian rainforest and replaced it with a monoculture of soya. By the way, you and I breathe oxygen. Which is, the, which is the lungs of the earth? Where's the most oxygen produced? The rainforest. Every hour of every day, the human race cuts down 36 football fields of rainforest. That's how stupid we are. So you've cut down soya. What's the next thing that's in, 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 in all vegan and non-vegan foods is palm oil. That's the, that's the Indonesian and, and Asian rainforest. Then it's sugar and it's corn that's planted in those places. So if, if, you, if, you, if you're going to come up with a criticism of a system, which is the cage animal system, yes. Come up with a solution that is actually regenerative. That actually puts the earth in a better place. And the vegan movement can't do it. And now, now it's become to the stage where, where it's part of World Economic Forum's agenda. They, 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 they're trying to, in Australia, uh, put taxes through. Um, in fact, it was a United Nations thing I saw last week. You are only going to be allowed 14 grams of animal protein a day or something like that. Where are you going to get the rest of your nutrition from? From, from pea protein? Or bugs? <laughs> bugs. The answer is bugs. Unfortunately, a lot of farmers have been reduced to factory managers and 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 managing inputs and it's not them who does the farming it's their chemical rep who does the farming i mean i saw a change guy this morning he he he's, he's a friend of his has got some lemon orchard outside near stellenbosch and the guys just just bought the land and oh, i've just got this most amazing all all high-end technology thing it's just a smorgasbord list of chemicals this is you spray this 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 and, 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 and so the thing that comes out looks like a lemon, but it doesn't have any nutritional qualities of a lemon. Is, is regenerative farming sustainable? I mean, can it be done 
across tens of millions of people. Completely. Uh, I've actually got a blog post on exactly that, how to feed South Africa regeneratively. Okay. So what we did is we, we calculated how many thousands, hundreds of thousands of hectares there were of sugarcane in the country and how many thousands of hectares of gum plantations there were in the country. And there's no place for sugar in the human diet. It just makes sick and fat. Mm. And sugar is farmed very aggressively on the environment. Not only with the poisons that they spray, but when they burn those sugarcane plantations. These, the, the collateral damage to the animal world from that is... Have you been up to KZN when they burn the sugarcane? No. It's wild, eh? You're right. But sugar is addictive. Apparently, mm. it's eight times more addictive than cocaine. Unfortunately, yep. I, haven't not, I haven't been addicted to either, so I can't tell you if that's true or not. But um, So you take out the sugarcane plantations. You take out the gum plantations because they really destroy the ecology. And even someone who knows nothing about farming can go into a gum plantation. They realize there's something wrong. Yeah. The grounds are certified. They pump water. They transpire millions of liters of water a day. And and the grazing land that's left in the country, you change to what's called rotational grazing, which is what we're practicing. So the principle is you put a lot of animals in a small space for a short period of time, and then you move them regularly, and you wait for a long period before they come back. So so I don't, I don't, I don't have – I mean, I can pull it up if, if you want me to and talk you through the spreadsheet, but it's there. It is easy – in fact, if South Africa does do that and converts – remember, the nice thing about grass-fed beef specifically – is that it can utilize land that nothing else can utilize. Yes. There are certain areas which, of course, you should be growing vegetables in. Okay? But most of South Africa is a semi-arid part of the world. And it's only herbivores, specifically rotationally grazed, that can utilize that. You can grow food there. You can't grow anything else. You don't have water there. Okay? We're already mm. in a water-scarce country. And, 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 and so it's a much more effective use of the land. Now, there's a lot of things that need to fall into place before we can do that. It, it's a possibility that we could do that, but it's improbable that we're going to do that because our politicians don't recognize that there is a health crisis. There's a spectrum with everything. And, and mm. you know, one of the sort of tragedies for me about, I don't know where that is COVID-related, is that people have become so polarized. Mm. And, and the only thing that people on the one side enjoy more then attacking the people on the other side is attacking the people in the middle, those trying to hold the middle ground. And, and um, beef or meat's a classic example. You know, the 100% the, 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 the purest guys are the, um, the, the, the animals that they, that they shoot that are wild, that have mm. been out grazing, you know. And, and then, of course, the other guys who chew know that you only can eat it if it's been a headshot because then it didn't know that it died. Yeah. <laughs> people are going to shoot me for saying this but i'm just, I'm, I'm not a fan of springbok yeah. uh so well, I, 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 I can i just tell you next mm. time you go what what we did when we, we went on, on a hunt is we we shot the animal and then we actually took the loins out immediately that's what we do i've always understood with me i've always done with meat over no, whatever 30 40 years is you, you hang the meat so that the, 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 the rigor mortis can set in and the meat softens a little bit. But you take them out hot mm. and slice and cook them right then and there. Oh. That is amazing. Before, so you make, you, you make a fire right there. Right there, John. Jeez, that's next level. No, that's next level. <laughs> that is next level. <laughs> you can't allow 
your st- I mean, I can only have control over my staff. In fact, if you're my staff, have t- taken the jab. Mm. And I was like, guys, you take the jab. That's your choice. This is what you need to understand. It is your choice. I'm telling you why I'm not going to take it. But that's got nothing to do with it. You are a sovereign individual. You have medical sovereignty. And and I just have to believe that that and, and I could be naive <laughs> because it's happened in other countries in the world, but I have to believe that that it's our guys won't do it here. They'll respect the medical sovereignty. You know, they love talking about the constitution. You know, oh, we've got the greatest constitution no, in the world. We well, don't. that's what they love saying that. No. Okay, so let's hold them to that talk. We're the greatest constitution in the world. I also think though that that and and and, and i lived in the, i lived in, in in the uk for five years okay i can tell you i'm so happy that we're currently in south africa because I agree. The wildness and the craziness here means that things are going to be less enforced um it's just it's not as as controlled a society and 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 and, and i think also the 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 other benefit of being such a disorganized society is that the meltdown is happening in other countries that are months ahead of us with the jabbing. Just look at what goes on in Israel. And, 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 and my staff say to me, we don't trust our government. That's what I think the, the government doesn't fundamentally, is, isn't fundamentally prepared to accept that all they have done, government, you know, going back 100 years, has, has not got the trust of the people. And that's mm. what my staff said. The, 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 some staff said, I've taken the jab. Um, I don't care. But others have said, I, how, how can I do something the government tells me to do when I don't trust the government? That's a difficult one to get around. You, you, you didn't think you were taking a stand, and I wanted to challenge you on that. I think you are taking a stand, and I think that, I think that not only you, Angus, but I think many farmers and many other industries, people in industries, need to Take a principled stand, because mm. if if you don't, who's going to? Absolutely, and also, also, the more information that's coming out, okay, about injuries from yeah. these jabs, y- you can't keep your head in the sand. And as an employer, who and you know, and, and it's especially, it's especially in 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 agriculture, I guess more than. Well, you know, I, I haven't. I worked in construction. I actually worked in construction between stockbroking and agriculture. Mm. The nature of South Africa is that your the business, your your relationship with your employees is a very paternalistic relationship. Okay, mm. and 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 I don't want it to be misconstrued as as a as a racial thing, because it's not. It's a paternalistic thing. Okay, so therefore, you as the employer have more responsibility on you. Just because of the history of South Africa, yeah, and 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 you know, I, I just don't see where the information that I read and and, and we we're talking earlier today about echo chambers. I mean, I read conventional stuff. I find it very difficult to read conventional, uh, uh, um, you know, whether it's BBC or Tortoise or CNN or whatever. But I still look at it, and I can't believe that that someone who even reads all of those isn't questioning yeah these things aren't safe the name farmer angus it's quite literal but it's it's mm. actually the brand name isn't it mm. 
Okay, well, when I started farming, which was um, December of 2008, so let's say it's 2009, for the first few months that I was producing, it was actually chickens we did first, and then it was eggs. We labeled everything as pasture reared, pasture eggs, pasture this, which is a very bucolic, wonderful connotations. But then I started hearing about other guys using the word pasture reared, and then my wife said to me, listen, dude, you got to name it around yourself. And I, I resisted that for quite a while because I said to her, it's not about me. It's about the movement. Regenerative agriculture is not about one person. It's about making the earth a better place, nutrient-dense food, creating employment, all, all these things. And, and you know, she carried on, and she's right. So it's, it's become the brand. Unfortunately, there's a breed of cattle that's also the Angus cattle, and that's caused a little bit of confusion in the beef market. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's, that, that, that is the brand. I'm actually having these really interesting brand discussions at the moment and, and being advised by a few people. And, you know, do you separate the person from the brand? And what kind of brand is it? It's a very interesting process I'm going through at the moment. I can tell you, this is my fourth, or fourth, fourth job. It's by far the hardest job. Um, and I just think that until, farmer, until artisanal people in the English-speaking world are, 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 are given... Uh, 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 the, the the same respect as those in the intellectual pursuits. We've got an issue again. It's another divide thing. Yeah. Why the hell is there so much division going on? Who benefits from that? That's what I want to know. Who benefits from all this division? It has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, you so are a gentleman, and may I also say uh, you have a great farm, and so I'm going to be coming back to have lunch with you. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> but Angus, thanks for your time, man, and enjoy the rest of your Thanks evening. Germ. Okay, man. Ciao, bud. Take it easy. My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare. If you enjoyed this podcast, please visit supportgerm.com.